0: Welcome to the Artipop podcast. As the founder of Artipop, I've always felt we live in a highly conventional era when it comes to motherhood, but also that change is near. Therefore, I created this podcast to give voice to different refreshing perspectives around motherhood and life in general. To empower you and all the women around you to trust their intuition. I've asked a journalist whose work I love, Kaira van Wijk, to host this series for you. Let's use our feminine energy to shape the future. I hope you're with me. Please enjoy. Hi there, thanks for tuning in. This is your host, Kaira. Today we're having a beautiful conversation with Carson Meyer an LA-based doula, childbirth educator, food waste advocate, founder of clean beauty brand, Sea in the Moon, and birth photographer. After watching the documentary, The Business of Being Born, in her early 20s, she was shocked about how little she really knew about birth in general and what women often have to go through in childbirth. First and foremost, she feels that every birth experience is unique and there's no need to put it in a box. She talks about the tremendous power of women's bodies, preparing for pregnancy and trusting yourself, dealing with postpartum trauma or just mourning your old self, and her own journey that's all about receptivity and always learning. Hi, Carson. Thanks so much for being here. Actually, my first question to you is about becoming a doula. Like, when did you first think, yeah, like, yes, this is what I want to do with my life? And is that maybe tied to a certain memory or a defining moment in life for you?
1: Yeah, you know, I I went to NYU and I created my own major at Gallatin where I got to study alternative medicine, mind-body connection. And so I was really interested in um, women's health and kind of how we could use um emotional and physical support and then other modalities to support um the in in the health field in the healthcare field and so at the time i was really studying this work but not didn't even know what a doula was mm-hmm. um but it wasn't until i watched the business of being born which is a a documentary that ricky lake and abby epstein made about 12 years ago about giving birth in America and our, the culture of childbirth and um, the way that had affected mothers and and kind of the way we, we approach birth as a culture
2: hmm.
1: and the pros and cons of that. Um, and so that documentary really affected me. And that was when I, it was the first time I'd ever seen footage of birth. It was the first time I really knew anything about the process I was kind of upset by that. I couldn't believe that I was in my twenties and I knew so little, and that it was felt so secret. Um, the whole the whole process of childbirth and motherhood, and so I had it, after seeing that documentary, I was very emotional and just had so much more respect than I thought I could even have for mothers. Um, and then I moved back to Los Angeles after school, and I I met a midwife at a birthday party, mm. and that was another moment where I was like. Wow, I, you can be in this job like she was. She had started as a doula, and I just thought, how amazing that you get to your your work is greeting new life um, and supporting women through that. And so that's what propelled me into um, taking my training and starting this work. Yeah,
0: beautiful. So what actually? Because I'm kind of curious about that documentary. Like, what was really the most emotional part for you that you were like? oh why don't we know this or why is the system this way
1: yeah so i think what was emotional for me is i had seen the depiction of childbirth in movies which is very horrifying mm-hmm. right there's like a, a mass doctor kind of standing over a flailing woman screaming and bloody and just feels very um clinical and and um and scary i think frankly i think most young women, you ask about childbirth, it's terrifying. Um, and so we're kind of raised to have a fear around the process. Um, and I think when I what made me emotional was to see real footage of birth that didn't necessarily look like that,
2: mm-hmm.
1: where I saw how just supported women could be through the process um, and how there was different types of, you know, whether it's home birth, hospital birth, um, of ways that you can approach the process. And then I think the part that really upset me too, is I think most of us kind of just trust the, the medical system to help us in deciding what is best for us. When really that documentary revealed that a lot of the, um, ways that the hospitals were approaching childbirth were not only not evidence-based, but, um, in many cases impacting the health of the mother and the baby and um, resulting in higher cesarean rates and so on. So that was really shocking for me too. I think learning about our medical system for the first time and and the way that it benefits us, but also does not. (laughs) Do you mean
0: like the doctor makes a decision instead of like the woman herself being able to make the decision of how to how the birth is going when she's in the midst of it?
1: Yeah. So I think, you know, something the doc, it's called the business of being born. So it really shows us how the hospital um, is, is a business, mm. right? They have to um, make sure that uh, people come in and out and that there are rooms for people and that they are um, managing care. Of course, you know, insurance, um, policy plays a big role. So some of the things that the documentary talks about is, um, you know, time that being one of them, right. It was telling someone that their labor is taking too long and therefore they need to induce or, um, do something to make labor progress faster or to have a cesarean. And we know that as long as mom and baby are okay, um, time is not an important factor. Mm. And, Um, So that that was something, you know, being able to move around labor freely um, are other examples of kind of ways that hospital policy can interfere with some of the beneficial processes of movement and labor. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. And and then just like understanding risks and benefits of certain choices, um, of certain interventions, right? Pitocin. The documentary talks a lot about Pitocin and how um, it's an amazing life-saving drug and can do a lot to support the process and to um, help mothers, the safety of mothers and babies, but also can be overused to increase our cesarean rate.
0: Yeah, okay. So to give more space to mother and child and granting parents more knowledge and freedom of choice. What are your words is the meaning of a doula? And we should say you have some sort of style of doulaing could be more spiritual or emotional, for instance.
1: Yeah, so every doula works a little bit differently, um, but we are emotional and physical support. So doulas do not provide um, medical care. We perform non-clinical kind of tasks and um, we help in educating our clients on their options and all the choices and then provide evidence-based information to help them make those choices whether it's through pregnancy or in the moment through labor. Um, and then when it's time for the baby to come, we, we provide support in all different ways. So that's massage, um, different comfort measures, meditation, um, breathing techniques. And and for some doulas, it, like you mentioned, it's a, a more spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really believe there's a doula for everyone, right? So it's, it's about finding that doula that really meets you at um, the kind of the way that you want to approach the process. Um, doulas always provide non judgmental support. So for me, I think my style is really um, reflecting to my clients, uh, being a mirror for them to find their best way mm-hmm. and to meet them there. Um, yeah. And so it's, it kind of, we wear a bunch of different hats in that sense.
0: Why do you think every pregnant woman deserves a doula? Do you think it really changes the way you go into birth and also after you've given birth, of course, becoming a new mom?
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think, you know, something that's really exciting for the birth community is, is we have um, evidence that actually shows having a doula or having continuous birth support um, increases positive birth outcomes can lead to better birth outcomes and a better experience. So um, there is a study that talks about APGAR scores, um, cesarean rates and uh, vacuum assisted deliveries need for pain medication and need for um, Pitocin and all of those things um, improve or, you know, the APGAR scores is is higher for when you have a doula um, need for cesarean or um, Pitocin or pain medication reduces with having a doula. Um, so we, we have evidence that, that does actually show that having support in labor is not only necessary, but, um, results in better birth outcomes. Yeah. Also the way, you know, which is very important, but often overlooked is, um, a mother's experience of labor, right. How she looks back mm. and feels, um, about the process. And having a doula can also, you know, help to support that process in a way where the mother is looking back on the experience and has a, a more positive um, memory of the experience. And we know that is directly correlated with um, postpartum depression and other postpartum mood disorders. And would you say um, that a lot of women experience trauma or is it something
0: that's talked about a lot still or... You think it's a higher rate than maybe we think?
1: Absolutely, and um, I think you know the trauma is um, always in the defined by the the person experiencing it, and I think that's a really important definition when we talk about trauma, right? Well, a way that maybe a, a doctor or a doula or somebody else classifies somebody's trauma. Um, can be different than the individual who's experiencing it. And so when I refer to birth trauma, I'm really referring to somebody's unique experience and and trauma really is in the the eye of the beholder. Yeah. Um, And I think a lot of, a lot of mothers experience trauma that um, those around them might not see as trauma. Mm. Um, and so as a a doula, I think we kind of help to, to help them process those traumas that may not be recognized Mm -hmm. in, um, in their community or maybe by their clinician. Yeah, that's so important. Yeah.
0: And you touched on this a little bit already, but would you say that within your job you have a certain mission? Like, is there anything you'd like to shed more light on or a stigma around pregnancy or birthing that you'd like to change?
1: Yeah, I think the the idea that there's one way to do it um, is something that I hope to change or to help Um, parents realize all of their different options right and that there really isn't one way and I think the same goes for for parenthood right Mm -hmm. there's so many opinions so many perspectives but really what comes down to you being the expert on your body and your baby Mm -hmm. and being able to have choice and deciding what best suits you
0: yeah that makes total sense. Yeah. And without naming names or anything, would you say you have like a favorite birth story or like maybe a few that were really, really special to you? Oh
1: man. I mean, they're all so special to me. I have to say, um, I did a birth outdoors, which was amazing with a client, um, who had lives in a tiny home. We put her, Tub outdoors and um, she was able to labor like under the full moon and it was really very special and, and really memorable. Um, but truly, every single birth that I have attended is is equally special and memorable. Um, in in one way, and I also say that the more births I attend, the less I know about birth. Um, I think every single time they they surprise you, right? And they show you that we can't necessarily fit it into a box or into a model, right? That every birth is like a snowflake. <laughs> There's no yeah. no two births are ever alike. And so the more you try to generalize it, um, and then the more births you see, I think the the more we we see that there is they are so deeply and so beautifully unique in their own way. And so I, I like to think of my first birth I attended and just that was the fastest birth I've ever been a part of. Um, okay. And it was a second time mom and she, you know, my training had really taught me, you know, labor at home, labor at home. It takes time, you know, it's be patient. You don't want to go to the hospital too soon. Um, but I and my my client really didn't want she wasn't ready to go. And she kept saying, I'm good. I'm good. And my intuition really told me it was time. And
2: mm-hmm.
1: I, I I like in that moment realized I had to kind of drop the textbook or even like what my mentors and um, other the the apps of like counting contractions and all of that was telling me and just like work with my client and and connect with her on a level that I could support her in making her decision, but also give my kind of advice, I guess. And so we ended up making it into the hospital just in time. And it was, um, for me, like the perfect initiation into this work of being like, yes, you can learn. Yes, you can study. Um, There's certain things you can turn to to get answers. But at the end of the day, so much of this work is based on intuition and then just really based on listening to your client and tuning into them. Yeah. Um, because as I said, you can't, we can't always generalize it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's always one that's stuck in my head. It was like a very adventurous, adventurous, birth, but so such a important one for me to, to learn about the process. Yeah. It's such a
0: unique experience. I think that's really, really beautiful. Yeah. And I think it's also because I, I saw today, I think, on your Instagram story also, it's like, trust your body. You've got this, basically. Because you said, like, you're learning something new every time and, you know, l- uh, less about birth now than maybe in the beginning, you feel. But um, you also mentioned that you were quite surprised. Like, what were some surprises for you as you were like, oh, I didn't expect that to happen at all, but it happened?
1: Um. I guess the surprises are just, what I mean by that is you can't, you can prepare, but you can't plan. Mm. Every birth breaks the mold a little bit more, in my experience. Um, Mm. Every birth challenges the preconceived notions that we might have around the process. And I think that comes down to everything from Pain management to position changes to um, time again right. Realizing that we we can't always rely on some of those um, those models. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that are laid out for us. Yeah. Yeah, that's just really a snapshot. What I also find fascinating
0: is that you're a birth doula, of course. There's also something called a death doula. But as a doula, you probably encounter life and death often and very close together. What has that taught you really about that fine line between life and death that I can imagine yeah, as part of your work as well?
1: Yeah, you know, I really believe, I like to think of um, the birth portal or the, the gateway that babies enter is, is very similar to the, way, the place that we leave from. Hmm. Um, my birth and death, are the, the cycles of life they are the only thing that is truly guaranteed in life um and so I do think that there's a a connection to that and although I don't do death doula work and it is very different work Mm -hmm. um I think ultimately it's somebody who's there to just walk somebody through a a a rite of passage and a threshold um and a a very major transformation and transition in life Mm -hmm. Um, I do offer um full spectrum doula support which is different from a death doula but it's um doula support that um provides support through all birth outcomes whether um you know that is abortion care or loss um you know i i think that it is really important for doulas to to be informed on how to support their clients through all different birth outcomes because unfortunately like you mentioned you know, death is sometimes a part of that process um, mm-hmm. and loss can be a part of that process and sometimes that's even um, emotionally right I say that birth can come with grief because you also are saying goodbye to a part of yourself while welcoming a new a new version of yourself into the world as a mother I think. Um, and so yeah, there's a lot of symbolic and, and literal um, connections to that to that work.
0: Yeah, it's also interesting that you're saying that it's like this transformation, like moving from the old into like, basically, you're still that person, but but it's a new chapter in life, shedding, like sort of grieving, like the person that you used to be or something.
1: Yeah, and I think there's so much expectation for a new parent to be just so overjoyed, Right, and so happy. And yes, there's so much joy that comes with it. But sometimes there's also moments of like, oh wait, this is so, my life is different, you know? And mm-hmm. um, I did say goodbye to a, a more, a different a part of myself that I might never know again. But I will welcome and be reborn into an even, maybe even better version of myself. Um, but I think that and, right? Like holding space for both and all for all of those emotions is so important through that transition. And of course you also...
0: I I can imagine you also deal sometimes with women who have miscarriages. Is that something that you feel we should talk about more? Do you feel women get enough support when they go through miscarriages? Because, for example, I have a friend, she went through uh, three miscarriages, and she told me, why is no one telling me that it's actually like my whole body is grieving? Because first you have those pregnancy hormones, then you lose a child, and she felt like, at the hospital, people were like very cold and clinical. What is your idea on this? Um, How we're talking in society about miscarriage
1: as well. Yeah, so that's really when a a full spectrum doula can be such a a wonderful way of of having support Mm. through um, an experience that, like you said, can sometimes feel really clinical um, when really it is, such a can be such a big loss and it's um, still a transformation still a rite of passage um, and such an informative experience I think for for those that and they're something that they hold on to their entire life and especially um, into you know the birth process in and in a future pregnancy um, it is so much more common than we speak about miscarriage happens in one in four pregnancies mm. oh that's a lot actually Um, I think just now we're starting to talk about it a little bit more, but I think, you know, in our culture, it was, it was, um, you're just taught not to share about it. And that's okay. You know, I I respect also that um, being a way of uh, um, a grief process for some, but I have seen, and perhaps this is just in my bubble of birth community, so much um, discussion around the importance of seeking out community through that process and it's equally if not more important as seeking out support like you, you if you would in a um, in a live birth yeah yeah
0: that makes so sense because there was still this person still part of you yeah so so important that you move through that with um, supported by your community as well of course
1: yeah and that there's no there's no right way to grieve just like there's no Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know right way to birth um it looks different for everyone yeah and your
0: course is also about prepping the birth partner what are your ideas about this
1: yeah I think you know it's interesting I don't know the exact date but it's pretty recent that in our you know evolution that partners or men specifically have been a part of the birth process, hmm. um, you know. My grandmother, when she talks about giving birth to my mother, she was like, "Of course, your grandpa wasn't there. They wouldn't think of it." Interesting, yeah, right. And so it's it only in the last few generations where partners have really been involved in the process, and I think it. I think it's such a beautiful um, change an evolutionary change to have that support. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, for me, my favorite part of the work is preparing the partners to be in support. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I find that, you know, I always say that a doula can never replace that bond um, in that birth space, in that um, the comfort and love and support that a partner provides. And once a partner is able to let go of some of the fear and feel that they're, they're a doula or somebody else is holding that space so that they can drop in and be in a space of confidence. Um, the birthing person feels it. It really does um, bring a sense of calm and um, oxytocin, which we know, you know is what is the most important hormone of labor. Um, the love hormone—it's it, mm-hmm. what brings that into the space, and so I—I I think it's really powerful to have um, partners be, be involved in the process.
0: Yeah, because when the partner who's not carrying the child is more involved during pregnancy already, they will probably have a deeper connection with the baby and be more
1: involved with the upbringing from the get-go. No, absolutely, and to be able to act as an advocate, you know, it's, when someone is in labor, it's—it's it's hard to. Um, advocate for yourself when you're in that mental and physical and emotional space. Mm-hmm. And so have the partner informed on, um, you know, evidence-based practices and their risks and benefits and all of their choices can help them to be that protecting force and um, mm-hmm. make sure that, you know, and, and in, in a way be, just do with what a doula does, right? And helping to make sure everybody's voice is being heard and needs are being met.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Is there actually something women you work with tell you like, oh, I wish I'd known this sooner about, for example, childbirth or being a new mom? Um.
1: Yeah, I think, I think postpartum is something that um, for many people, no matter how much you prepare or how much you read about it or have been told about it, it's comes as a surprise hmm. and I think again it's very different for everyone um but that's something I find in terms of feedback is being like I not, no nothing could have prepared me for it
0: yeah all of a sudden the baby is there and this is where you are in life now yeah it's like a totally different chapter I can imagine do you feel there's something we as a society need to unlearn when it comes to like motherhood
1: Yeah. I, again, I think it's that unlearning the, the idea that we have to do things a certain way, Mm -hmm. right. That they're um, a a one size fits all model. Yes. I think that is, is something that be valuable to unlearn. And then also the idea that we can control the process. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I'm a big fan of obviously preparation and just being as informed and prepared as possible, but also, I do think that having um, surrendering to the process and trusting in that process benefits you, you know, ultimately, no matter where the journey leads you. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I also actually wanted to ask you about, you're also a birth photographer. When did you pick that up and why?
1: Yeah. So I was always passionate about photography and then when it came to this work, you know, I found that I was just handed a cell phone and be like, Oh, take some pictures. And I would, you know, take, take iPhone photos of the birth, Mm -hmm. um, which was, you know, nice. Everyone had, but I realized that these photos were so powerful for new parents to be able to see what they accomplished. Mm Um, I had a client one time where, I showed her the, you know, I sent her the pictures after the birth and it wasn't until then that I think she was able to release some of her feelings of um, disappointment around her birth, right? Or that grief that we talk about when she saw the strength of her body and what she did from an external view, mm-hmm. I saw her drop someone's judgment mm-hmm. and to see herself in the way that I saw her as so incredibly strong. Um, Mm -hmm. and it was, it was powerful. And in that moment, you know, usually I'm not with clients when they get to see their photos, but I happened to, was over there when she opened them. And I realized that I think for those who want birth photography, it can be a really powerful part of the healing process after birth Mm. because your body is undergoing so many changes that are so foreign to you. And to see from the outside what your body is capable of doing, I think, First, first for many can be um, incredibly enlightening, even though you've experienced it one way. Um, it's, a different, it's a different angle. It's a testament
0: to how incredibly powerful your body is giving life. Do you also feel like children, teenagers should see birth footage earlier on in life just
1: to normalize it more, you know? You know, the more that we see the many different options. And as I said, like the different snowflakes, right. That there isn't this one, one picture of birth, mm-hmm. um, the more prepared we are. And so I love to encourage my clients to watch birth footage. Um, you know, I think most of us either saw it in a movie or saw like that really scary sex ed <laughs> video. Yeah. Um, but I, I always say there's nothing that After you see those scary sex ed videos or you're kind of scared into teen pregnancy or, um, you know, scared into using contraceptives and all of that, nobody comes back and then, like, helps you unlearn that fear, right? Mm -hmm. We, nobody comes back and says, okay, now that you're ready to have a child. This is all of the like, not scary stuff (laughs) you can see. Yeah. And and that's what I think watching birth videos and seeing birth photos can do for somebody who's ready to embark on that journey is help chisel away at some of the imagery that was presented to them maybe in their younger years that was intended to scare them.
0: Yeah, totally. Because I was also browsing through your Instagram and I saw this picture that was blurred out. And then I tapped on it because I was just curious and it was a, a picture of birth, but I, I thought it was so interesting that Instagram marked that as like sensitive content. And I was wondering how you feel about that, that that is like, yeah, it's supposed to be sensitive content then. But it wasn't even like a bloody picture. It was really like beautiful, really powerful.
1: Yeah. It's, I think it's upsetting that, you know, the most just like incredible the thing that our body is capable of is considered taboo, um, most natural process. Um, it's how we all got here. It's, you know, I consider it sacred. And so for me, birth photography, for those, someone who doesn't want to share it, I'm very protective of that um, because it is so sacred. I do believe it only belongs in the hands and eyes of those who um, have consent to see it. But for those who do want to share it, and for those, who do want to participate in sharing their, their process. um, I do not think that there should be censorship around that. I think it's a tool for education and empowerment. um, And there's nothing inappropriate about it. Um, I think it's a reflection of our culture that is very uncomfortable with um, our bodies, um, very uncomfortable with uh, discomfort <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, with anything that's not tied in a bow, um, especially on social media. And birth is really messy, right? It is so mm-hmm. messy. And I think some of those more messy images like do help women prepare for for birth. Um, it does, again, like help reframe some of the ideas um, that they might've been taught around the birth process. And so, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a bummer when things are censored for no reason, but yet other people and leaders are allowed to freely express, you know, negative, violent, and and harmful um, imagery. If you stop and think about it, it's really
0: insane. Yeah, yeah. But I also wanted to ask you, which I think is a really important topic, um, but there's more and more talk about this, how Black women are more at risk of, dying from complications surrounding pregnancy and childbirth than white women. Um, Could you explain why this is also how this possibly isn't just like an American issue, like maybe some would think, but it also extends to other countries.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is a very horrifying example of the failure of our healthcare system and also of um, systemic racism, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: right? We know that um, for a woman of color and a black woman specifically, their risk of dying in childbirth or losing a child in childbirth is significantly higher um, than that of a, a white woman's. Um, I, you know, we know from, from this research that it does nothing to do with uh, socioeconomic status. Mm. Um, It does come down to bias in the healthcare system. um, And then also the stress um, placed on Black women in this country, um, merely just for the color of their skin. So it is, yeah, it's awful. And I think it's something that I'm glad we're, talking about more. Um, I think as a result of Black Lives Matters, it's been obviously a, a strong topic of conversation within the doula community for many years, but I'm grateful it is becoming more of a, a mainstream conversation. Um, I think, you know, having access to all types of healthcare options, whether that's out of hospital birth, um, midwifery care, and doula care is um, a great way to start but it's it's a problem that is um indicative of the foundation of our cultures right here and as you said elsewhere as well um it's something that has to be addressed by addressing our bias and by addressing um the the racism that exists
0: yeah yeah and also the people at the top at the medical field who hold those biases of course yeah because what you're saying, I think, is is that that black women are taken seriously less, yeah. uh, right? And that's why they're more at risk, I think. Yeah. yeah.
1: And their pain is not um, taken seriously as much as a white woman's level of pain. Right? That's also an example we see. And so, what often happens is if a, a black woman is bringing up, you know, a, a feeling of pain or a symptom. That for a white woman, they'd be more likely to be um, monitored for. Oftentimes, it goes overlooked um, or ignored Mm
2: -hmm. um,
1: for for a black woman, which can be fatal. Yeah. So we really have to start with the system and
0: start with the education of doctors. Is why I think that's a huge problem. Of course, that's not solved overnight. But yeah,
1: and realizing that even you know it's so ingrained in us this bias. That for a doctor, you know, who might think that they're above it, it like, it really is something, or even a doula, even every human being, right? Like having this training be, like you said, an automatic part of doing this work Mm -hmm. um, helps to, again, chisel away at some of the things that um, we may not even recognize having, right? Some of the bias that we might not even recognize, in ourselves.
0: Yeah. So starting also with ourselves, starting to recognize our own biases. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. That is so important. Yeah. Did you do an Instagram live about this topic as well with um, Erica from Loom? Yeah.
1: Erica Chidi Cohen. She um, is a the most incredible, one of my, yeah, I consider a, a mentor and just, I'm the biggest fan of her and her work and what she's contributed to. Um, so many doulas and mothers, especially in, in Los Angeles. Um, but yeah, she came on, I guess, wow, almost like six months ago now. Every day feels like it's leading <laughs> into next. Um, and she, yeah, she shared um, about some different books, um, Reproductive Justice being one of them. Um, and then White Fragility was a book she recommended as well. What surprised you the most about
0: that conversation? Because I can imagine you were familiar with the topic before you um, had that chat with her. But what surprised you the most from what she told you about this, uh, this subject? I
1: think the thing that surprises me the most, that, not necessarily about that was learning this conversation, but just learning about it, is that um, it doesn't, like I said again, it, has, it, it doesn't have a lot to do with where you live, how much money you make, your other pre-existing conditions—right. This is something that's happening across the board, and I think that is perhaps you know one of the most startling um, parts about it. That really shows that it does come down to race over all else. And then you know, Erica also spoke a lot about weathering, right, and the idea that there's so much stress um, and pressure and. Um, through the the experience of racism living in America, Mm -hmm. that that then plays a role on your prenatal health. And so that's, I think another very upsetting part of it, right? Is that we know stress is a very big um, factor in women's health. Um, And when you are experiencing Stress just because of the color of your skin, you're already at an unfair advantage.
0: Hmm. Yeah, so that's so much unwanted stress in the pregnant body. Could you actually give a tip to anyone who's not pregnant but would just like to support the pregnant women or mothers in their environments, their community?
1: Yeah, so I, you know, on that note of of what we were just speaking of, there's a few organizations. Um, Every Mother Counts is one of them, and then. Um, the Black Mothers Matter um, Alliance. Mm-hmm. And so donating and, you know, being more informed. Um, yes, yeah, called Black Mamas Matter Alliance.com. Um, and then EMC, which is Every Mother's Counts are two organizations I would definitely turn to if you wanna um, support birthing people and um, all over the world. Um, and then on an individual level, I guess if you're asking more about how to support your own community or friends, I think the more, um, support the better. And right now we're in a time of isolation yeah, and a time of, um, not having access to support you know, birth was never intended to be done alone. It's a process that has always t- taken a village <laughs> and raising, raising children. And so I think showing up for, for new parents, um, whether it's just cooking a meal or whatever way you feel safe or they feel safe is doing so um, goes a really long way.
0: Well, last, last question, um, which we ask all of our guests, and it's a much broader question, but say you would look into the future, like 25 years from now, or maybe 50 years from now, how would you hope the world to have changed for particularly mothers and their families?
1: Um, Something that I'm, I'm passionate about that and we didn't really get a chance to talk about, but is environmental health, which again, also leads into our discussion around race, but mm-hmm. um, I hope that in 25 years, we are looking at a more promising future for our planet. Um, I hope that we are better regulating our air quality and water quality and food and soil quality um, because I also believe that the, the greatest prenatal care you can have is um, a healthy environment um, and healthy foods. and. Um, a limited exposure to toxic chemicals and the toxins that are in existing in our environment and a very unhealthy level. So that's something that I hope, I hope that in 25 years, we have a better um, handle on that, um, which I believe will promote generations of healthier human beings and healthier planet. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so too. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye.
0: Thanks so much for tuning in. If you'd like to know more about Anna's idea of the new motherhood, head on over to the pilot episode, where she explains more about this. Please hit subscribe if you'd like to be notified when a new episode is up. Also, we'd be very happy to get your feedback and possibly suggestions for new topics or interviewees. Hope this episode informed, inspired, opened up your mind in some way. Until next time.